what needs to happen and who needs to step up for the Oklahoma Sooners to get to 10 wins. We'll talk about that and more on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners, and thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On College for twenty dollars off your first purchase over at Game Time. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John Nine Williams. But here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at Josh on Ref. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from nine to noon on the K Ref Sports app. And Josh, there's a lot still to play for. The Oklahoma Sooners have an outside shot at reaching the Big 12 title game, even though it is a little bit slim. The odds have decreased. The chances have decreased. You're going to need a lot more help from outside parties, uh, namely other members of the Big 12. But there's still a chance. And, you know, Drake Stoops was interviewed after practice on Monday night and had a, a really you know great thought on all this. He said, uh, I come in here day in, day out. 10 hours in here every day. And for me, there's a lot left to play for. I bust my tail year round for this for six years now. So I'm not really listening to what people say. I don't care if we're 0 and 8 right now. I'm playing ball because I love to play football. I love my teammates. I love my coaches. I love the University of Oklahoma. It's really that simple. I got a lot of plot, a lot of pride for this place. Uh, that comment is from, uh, or that quote from Parker Thune, uh, who's out there at practice on Monday evening. But the Oklahoma Sooners do have a lot to play for, not just the pride aspect of it, but they still have a shot. So what's it going to take for Oklahoma to get there? And really, who's going to have to step up is kind of the bigger question, because over the last three games, we've seen a drop off in their play and in their production. Well, first off, it's great to hear Drake Stoops have that approach because, you know, you would be shocked to hear the opposite, right? To see somebody come out into the the media and media spectrum and in the public eye and all of a sudden they're down in the dumps uh, two days after the fact talking about you know there's not much for us or big 12 championship hopes or dash or college football playoff whatever that that would be out of the norm but I, I believe in that he feels like there's a lot to play for if nothing then uh, just beyond this is Oklahoma and obviously uh, his own story at Oklahoma right even beyond Bob Stoops but just Drake being a part of OU and what it means to him to play for Oklahoma football, what it should mean to everybody to play for Oklahoma football. So that's that's nice to hear that uh, you've got at least one voice willing to say that. Now nah, we we still got we still got plenty to play for in these next three. Who needs to step up? Well, a, a lot of folks need to step up for Oklahoma. I think defensively, up front, need, need a couple more di- difference makers up front. Number of different names you could throw my direction there. Uh, obviously, uh, Dylan Gabriel you can't have the interception in this last game. We've been pining for chances, for chances, for chances, and then uh, can't have that mistake. Your center, your center has to play better. I mean, that's you, you can't be in a situation where you can't snap the football, John. Yeah. You get multiple possessions away trying to snap the football. So a bunch of guys need to step up. But I would probably start with, can we operate effectively to begin with? Yeah, the center was the one that really stuck out to me. And Andrew Rame, I mean, he's been playing this game long enough, and he's been a starter for the Sooners long enough that snapping the football should not be an issue. Like, that's something that should be automatic at this point, as automatic as Dylan Gabriel throwing a screen pass. You know, like, something they've repped thousands of times. You should not have the same issues that we're having right now. It'd be different if this was a true freshman center just getting his feet wet at college football. He's got a lot that he's trying to process in addition to snapping the football. But again, in this day and age in college football, when everything is run out of shotgun, snapping should be the least problematic part of your job. And it should be the least problematic part of an offense. But here we are. We're having the adventure. I I think you're right. The defensive line does need to step up a little bit. And I want to see the defensive backfield play a little bit better too, because Alan Bowman, man, he had a career game against the Oklahoma Sooners. Now he's a capable quarterback just that didn't, that wasn't asked to do a whole lot for much of this year. But when Gundy put it on his shoulders to go lead their team, he played really, really well. And I think some of it was, okay, 
obviously we can get into some Rashad Owens discussion on whether how much of his separation ability was due to his ability to push off and get away with it. Or if it's just, you know, the coverage that wasn't there. I mean, there were a lot of times Brennan, Brennan Presley was running free and having a lot of space as well. So I think the, the defensive backfield has to improve as well, but this week in particular against a Garrett green and CJ Donaldson, who are really good at running the football, your defensive line is going to have to be much better than what it was this past week, because Yes, they were they were able to make plays against Ollie Gordon in the run game, but the dude still ran for 133, had a couple big runs that really killed you. And Alan Bowman, I mean, if he didn't have time, he was able to buy time and get out of the pocket and throw the football away. So you really didn't put a whole lot of pressure on their quarterback. I, I think Pro Football Focus had only eight pressures from Oklahoma, and they're pretty liberal with their pressures. They'll they'll give them out um, if the quarterback's knocked off his spot. And that's not a lot in a game. And and it's clear that the Sooners defensive front hasn't played as well in the last few games as they played even against Texas. There's no doubt who needs to step up. I would say collectively Oklahoma and key Lawrence comes to mind if he's going to be out there because he seemed to be one of the, the culprits in the missed tackling department. I saw, uh, I, I, apologize i think it was eli letterman that tossed the stat out about jaron canick is missing 40 percent of tackles or, or some some crazy number and i, I don't know if that was 40 percent of the missed tackles of late had been jaron canick uh, so i, I don't want to totally misspeak here bottom line is you catch my drift jaron canick is one of the guilty parties in the missed tackles department for oklahoma i think those two guys if they're going to continue to get legitimate snaps john which Okay, a couple of guys get healthy. It sounds like Peyton Bowen this week uh, will be closer to back to full speed and and getting regular snaps like we saw early in the season. So that's going to be a welcome sight for Oklahoma. But if Key Lawrence is still out there a decent amount, he's got to tackle better when given opportunities. We saw the the one pretty bad missed tackle early in the game. Canick, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, he might be slipping down that depth chart now. I think he's got a chance to be a really good backer in time, John, but it kind of is what it is right now. Kip Lewis and Kobe McKenzie, at least this past game, and maybe the last several games, look like better options for Oklahoma if Stutzman is still not totally ready to go. So who needs to step up? Well, guys, if they're out there, they got to make some plays collectively. And, and, you know, not just those two guys. It's, it's larger than just those two. Oklahoma as a team needs to tackle better, but – if you're telling me that Kip Lewis and Kobe McKenzie are going to play more, well, okay, uh, we need more of what we saw uh, on Saturday. So those would be a couple of guys for Oklahoma that it seems like it's trending, John, that they're going to have to continue to step up and deliver that type of play. So I just went over to Pro Football Focus and took a look at their numbers. Uh, Jaron Kanick is missing 25% of his tackle attempts. That's not great. Um, but a lot of guys are missing a lot of tackles. I mean, Key Lawrence is right there too at 25%. Uh, Billy Bowman's a little bit higher, 29.4. Gentry, our man Gentry Williams, who's had a really good season. He's missing 30% of his tackle attempts. Uh, you know, And again, this is going to be a little bit subjective um, based on the way pro football focus analyzes plays and things like that, but obviously missing way too many tackles. And they've played good players. There's no doubt about that, but they're not team tackling very well. And I think that's maybe the difference is before the bye week, Okay, they were missing tackles, but they were team tackling. They were rallying to the football as a unit and getting there and getting the guy down. If it wasn't on first contact, the second contact was like right there. Right now, it feels like, okay, you missed the first tackle and then the guy's got room to run. He's got space. Well, that needs to cl get cleaned up. And I, and I think I think you're right. I mean, right now, the coverage at the linebacker level hasn't been necessarily great either, but you're, you're seeing Kip Lewis be a little bit more consistent in the tackling department. Kobe McKenzie, I mean, this is his kind of first extended run. At college football, I mean, he didn't really play a whole lot last year if he played at all. And so we're starting to see him get his feet wet. Can he continue to thrive and, and get better? We'll see. I, I think tight end. I mean, Steven over here is men mentioning um, Stog, either, you know, Austin Stogner needs to either step up or sit on the bench and put Sexton out there on the line. Stog can't open the field up or can't open field block at all, and he isn't getting targets when he runs routes. I'm kind of with you. I mean, if, if, he's, if it's not going to be effective – then there's not much reason to have him out there because teams don't really have to see him much as a blocking threat or a receiving threat right now. You could get away with it if he was you know, only catching one pass per game, but he was providing like good to like even just above average blocking. 
and it's not been that way. And you hate to see that. And you, and you don't want to like single one guy out in particular, but the tight end room just not ha- has not been good. And so I'd rather them, like he suggests, use an extra offensive lineman. Uh, I mean, because again, the guy's not really providing much of a threat in the passing game. So put your extra offensive lineman out there, even for pass pro, and then you can run your running backs out there uh, in in you know pass uh, pass route situations, or or just have an extra offensive lineman out there to, to run block. And I think you'd be much more effective. But we can we can dive into a few more of these things a little bit later in the show. We're going to ask the question that a few people are asking on Twitter, and I, I've got a bit of a take for how we should uh, approach the Dylan Gabriel Jackson Arnold situation with a few games left to go. We'll talk more about that after the break. If you're looking for last minute tickets and you're not finding exactly what you're looking for, you got to go check out game time. There is a, a great option for you, whether you're looking for concerts, football tickets, Oklahoma City Thunder. The Game Time app has got you covered with last-minute deals and the best prices guaranteed. You can go to Game Time, download the app in your App Store or the Google Play Store right now. If you're looking at Mountaineer tickets, I mean, I'm sitting here looking at you know the Game Time, uh, the app right now, and I'm seeing that hey, there's a lot of options still for for getting West Virginia. The Upper Sideline, Section 108, Row 27, thirty-eight dollars right now on the Game Time app. I mean, I'm seeing tickets. In the in the end zone for in the 40s, like there's a lot of great options available to you over at the game time app. So don't miss out on a chance to get great deals at great prices using game time. It's the number one app available for last minute tickets. Create an account, use a code locked on college for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply, but you can create an account and redeem code locked on college for $20 off. Download game time today, last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed okay josh not very many people are asking the question but there are some asking the question and as you know the the college football playoff that's kind of the big ticket right as soon as that went out the window people were asking for caleb williams to sit down the rest of the season and just you know start getting ready for the nfl and now that the college football playoff is kind of off the table for the oklahoma sooners people are starting to wonder is it time to play jackson arnold I do think it is time to play Jackson Arnold, but only in limited circumstances or in certain circumstances. I don't think it has to be a, okay, we're in a blowout. We're up by 20 in the fourth quarter. Now we can play Jackson Arnold. I think it'd be wise to create a package of plays or a scripted series for Jackson Arnold to have a series in like the third quarter in each of the, the final three games. You don't have to put them out there for a half or a quarter or give them a 50, 50, you know, snap share, but create a series for Jackson Arnold that lets him get out there with the first team offense, gets his feet wet and, and just goes and plays football. I mentioned it on, on Twitter earlier that this team has not been very good in the third quarter in recent weeks. Why not kind of mix some things up a little bit and, you know, after the first or second drive of the third quarter, let's, let's call it the Jackson Arnold drive where you give him an opportunity to go get some experience, go get some playing time and, and maybe take a shot at having something productive happen for your offense. You know, teams are not necessarily having to game plan for him right now, but again, it'd be a great opportunity just to get him some experience before you're throwing him into the deep water next year. So I want to address this from, Terrence, which I think is a, a good question and probably others question. would ask, why burn a red shirt with Jackson Arnold when there's no way to get into the playoffs? And let me preface this response by saying, I don't think that magically we're going to see a ton of Jackson Arnold the next couple of weeks. Maybe I'll get proven wrong on that, but I think that this coaching staff is going to let Dylan Gabriel sort of ride this thing out and see this thing out. As in some ways, though, in different camps of the Oklahoma fan base, maybe some people feel like he hasn't, quote unquote, earned the right to do that, John. I think the coaching staff will feel like Dylan Gabriel has earned the right to finish this season as its starting quarterback uh, for good or for bad, for the most part. Right. But okay, let's play the hypothetical game. Let's play the hypothetical of Jackson Arnold does start getting some serious looks. If you lose one more game, okay, well then that could open the whole thing up to where you do consider 
playing Jackson Arnold, not as, hey, here's a series, but as, hey, let's let's let him start a couple of games. Why would you be willing to risk the red shirt? I don't think red shirts are as important as they used to be. I just, and this is me, I'm not saying that this is the gospel of football and everybody has to bow down at the altar and subscribe to it. It's just a personal thought that I have that I don't think they matter as much anymore. And especially for somebody like Jackson Arnold, if, if we were talking about a different program that had a a three-star kid that was all of a sudden going to be the next starting quarterback, then okay, maybe you think about not burning that season, but at a place like Oklahoma where Jackson Arnold is uh, well, he, he comes in with what the, quarterbacking awards the what was it the elite 11 that he won and, and he's the Gatorade national player of the year and all of them right so and thank you for the assist on the elite 11 yeah. five-star kid he's he's that guy right he's on the timeline to be a three years and off to the NFL mentally though probably he won't say it probably he and a lot of people that in his camp, feel like, okay, I'm not necessarily on the four-year plan. And if things don't go totally according to plan, John, then that redshirt year, he'd still be back the next season anyways if he's not the first-round draft pick that probably he down the road expects or hopes to be. So to me, I don't know. I just don't think you lose much. I think you gain more, I guess is the, the point I'm trying to make, by potentially playing him as you transition into the SEC next season. Everybody, if he comes in and plays a couple of series or starts a couple of games, if they go that route, John, and he's great, well, number one, then people are going to be asking the question, wait a second, why wasn't he playing before? So that's that's one Pandora's box you could open. But the positive to it would be, okay, now suddenly you're much more prepared for next season and beyond. And again, I just don't think the redshirt season matters as much. No, I, and I think you're absolutely right on that because for – if he's as good as everybody thinks he's going to be, he's not going to be at Oklahoma for five seasons. He's just not going to be. He he won't be here for four years. He'll be he'll play two years with the Sooners and then he'll be off to the NFL. And that's why it's so important to have, you know, the Michael Hawkins and the Kevin Sperry. And forgive me, there's another quarterback in the 2024 cycle that I'm I'm blanking on his name. So forgive me about that. But that's why it's so important to make sure you have good quarterback depth, because when you have talented players, they're not going to be with you for very long but you've got to get him opportunities to play. He's already played in four games this year. Uh, Steven mentioned again, man, Steven, he's, he's showing up strong in the chat right now. You know, they put him in for a snap, but then a penalty happened and they took him out and they punted. So he, he has played in four officially. I, I, again, I don't think the red shirt thing is, is that much of an issue. If it were obviously don't play him, but you, you don't need to be concerned with that. You need to get him ready for being the starting quarterback at the University of Oklahoma. And there's no time like the present. There's no better time and no better opportunity than what you're running into this year when you get the opportunity to give him uh, live game reps against really good defenses. I mean, West Virginia is not the best defense in the country, but they're a good defense. And, you know, anytime that you have the opportunity to give a guy game reps, it's valuable. It's absolutely 100% valuable. They love Dylan Gabriel. Dylan Gabriel has been really good for this team this year. This is no slight. This is no, you know, bench Dylan Gabriel conversation because he's been really good. And he's been a big reason why you've had a, an opportunity to win these football games. You still got to get your guy ready. You still got to build toward the future. And that's why that's the other part of why I love why they're giving guys like Makari Vickers opportunities, you know, in a game where everybody's kind of struggling to contain Rashad Owens, throw a guy out there and give him a chance. You know, you're seeing more Robert Spears Jennings. You're seeing these young guys get chances to make something of themselves this year, even if they're more significantly going to be players down the road. So yes, get some Jackson Arnold reps in. Yes. Give him an opportunity to play. Again, it doesn't have to be you give them the half or you give them a quarter or it's a 50-50 split, but just design some some situations, give them a series where you let him go run the offense. And I'm not just saying go out there and hand the ball off or go out there and run the Jackson Arnold quarterback run, you know, a power run pseudo Blake Bell offense. No, let him go run the offense because he's he's done a good job when he has. So he looks like a guy that's going to be capable of it. Let's start putting some stuff on film that you allow him to uh, to build from 
as he goes into his first full off season with the Sooners. Brent Venable said something that was sort of interesting at his Rudy's coaches show tonight with Chris Plank and Teddy Lehman that basically, oh, you had a Rolodex of plays that would have been better on that fourth down and five snap. And I say that, and we can deep dive that comment if you want, because I think it merits its own introspection uh, or inspection, uh, introspection for Brent and inspection for you and I. When we talk about Jackson Arnold and think about Jeff Lebby, if Brent Venables on any level is thinking, okay, do I have to make a big change this offseason? Do you want to play Jackson Arnold a little bit with Jeff Levy as the offensive coordinator to find out if this, this pairing is something that, yes, okay, is going to work and we need to stick with? Is there anything there? I'm sorry. I blanked. My wife sent me a text message and I completely blanked on what we is were saying. Is everything okay? Yeah, everything's good. Everything's good. Sorry. Okay. No, all good. Let me let me reset this for you, okay? So, is there anything to the idea that Brent Venables, if there's a sliver of doubt in his mind about do I need to make a big picture offensive coordinator change that I need to see in in, you know, live bullets, right? Live action, what the pairing of Jeff Levy, Jackson Arnold is is there anything there now there's again there's a can of worms you kind of open i think if you play him and it goes poorly at the end of the year so then a not great season in some ways relative to what oklahoma fans would want all of a sudden ends on even more of a downer if you play the five-star quarterback and there's a bunch of offensive issues right so i I don't know it's it's a nuanced decision it's not an easy decision but what about that? Do you put anything into, okay, I want to find out if this offensive coordinator with that quarterback, if that's the missing link. I think it's a fair part of the discussion. Uh, I don't think Brent Venables wants necessarily to bail on Jeff Levy after just two seasons as they are continuing to build this program. Brent Venables to me doesn't seem very short-sighted. He seems I got like a guy that's got a big picture view of the program he wants to lead. And as much as maybe we're frustrated with, with Jeff Levy and even Brent Venables might be frustrated with Jeff Levy in the way that he's running the offense. I, I don't know if there's this sense that, okay, it's just downright awful, you know, like it's not good at times and it can be better at times. And as much crap as I'll, I'll give Jeff Levy for some of the situational play calling that they've made, all in all, big picture view, it's been good. It just hasn't come through in clutch moments. So there's a there's a lot of nuance to this discussion because if you're looking long term, and I don't even think this is a well, if you get rid of Jeff Levy, you're you're losing Jackson Arnold discussion because I don't think the two are are that hand in hand. I, I think one doesn't have anything to do with the other, but I do think that there is something there to hey, let's see if this can if this would work better with Jackson Arnold at the helm in a Jeff Levy offense or if it's really just a Jeff Levy situation, then I mean, I think that pretty much makes your decision for you. But I don't I don't think Jeff Levy's going anywhere after this season unless he decides he wants to go somewhere else after this season. And we, we got we can touch on more of that. We'll touch on the the Drake Stoops. A play call, the Rolodex discussion that Brent Venables dropped on the Rudy's Coaches Show. We'll do all that after the break. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins for new customers in those bonus bets. Just a $5 money line bet, $150. It could be yours if your team wins. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, well, there's no better time than now to get in on the action Oklahoma by the way this week versus West Virginia well where are the Sooners at they uh, are a 12 and a half point favorite so if you like that uh, you know given the way things are going that feels like a lot of points but uh, maybe you're more in on the over and under the number there 58 and a half as we uh, sit here right now today so FanDuel Sportsbook that's the 
place to join. And again, so easy to use their app. Spreads, player props, over under so much more. Wide range of options. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season or join right here in the college football season. Fanduel.com slash locked on. Fanduel, an official partner of the NFL. All right. In the Rudy's Coaches Show, Brent Venables dropped a little nugget. Uh, this is courtesy of George Stoya from Twitter. Uh, he said, probably probably have a Rolodex of better plays when talking about the fourth and five play at the end of the game. And this has been my contention about that play. That is a two point conversion play. That's a fourth and one play. That's a third and one play. That's not a fourth and five play. That's a play designed to just get the yardage you need and only the yardage you need. And that's why I I'm so frustrated by the whole discourse about that play Jeff Levy talking about how Drake Stoops should have ran it, you know, to the sticks and, and get, you know, the five yards. Well, you, you look at the play and it's pretty congested to the short side of the field. I don't know if he even gets the ball if he was running it to five yards because there's not a whole lot of room over there to run it. And so there's so much, there's so many issues with the play call as it was. And it's, it's clear that Brent Venables has an issue with the play call as well. And I'm glad, I'm honestly glad to hear him, kind of subtweet his, his offensive coordinator a little bit. You know, we just saw out West Lincoln Riley, you know, kind of go to bat for Alex Grinch, you know, week after week, after week, after week, until he finally pulled the trigger and fired the guy. I'd rather see my head coach be like, Nope, I think we could have done better there and kind of call out his offensive coordinator. Say, Hey, you got to be better there too. Like if we're all going to fall on our swords, me, the head coach in particular, it's, 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 I don't, I don't know what the right word is. It's enlightening or it's heartwarming to see like, not only is he not going to let his offensive coordinator get away with throwing somebody else under the bus, he's willing to throw his offensive coordinator under the bus and say, Hey, we, we could have had a better play call there. I don't, I need more time to digest it, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm pretty mixed on that remark. I like that. Clearly Brent Venables understands it wasn't good enough. Right. So my initial reaction was sort of, uh, uh, to cheer, right? That was like, all right, go get them. But as I've sat and thought more about it, I, I find that it almost upsets me a little bit though, too, because number one, it acknowledges again, that the play call wasn't good enough. So why then was the play call made? If there's a Rolodex of plays that are better than that, why did you then as the head coach not step in and get a better play call? Why did you not call timeout? I mean, this is, to Oklahoma fans, this is your season on the line. They want to go to the college football playoff. They want to win the Big 12 championship. Not that the Big 12 championship is totally out, but look, it's going to be a lot more difficult and frankly, probably unlikely at this point, even though those percentages say Oklahoma's second highest percentage, according to ESPN, to win the Big 12, but that's neither here nor there from the uh, the number number uh folks out there so i don't know i mean it uh i think it's a good thing to some degree but i don't think it's great either on a different perspective because you didn't step in and and get things fixed right there so that to me is another another example of okay is brent venables going to get to that point to where he just manages the games a little bit better and, and steps in and adjusts accordingly when need be I can't remember who it was that I, I saw talk about this. And I think it might've been like a former offensive lineman just talk about the, the time it takes to get the play call, relay the play call and communicate everything that's going on, on, on a, you know, between one snap and the next. And almost as if to say, like, does the head, the head coach doesn't really have a chance unless he just straight up calls a timeout. doesn't really have a chance to go in and, and, interject a whole lot and say, no, I think we need to do something different and then have a discussion about that. I, it's, it's hard for me to, to get in on the, the head coach should, should stop the coordinator from making the play call. But I mean, with ruthless self-evaluation, I mean, you, you got to think like it's a, it, there's a better call to be made. I think after the, after the game, Brent Venables kind of defended the play call, but with a couple of days to really go back and look at things, he's, he's less, uh, less of a believer in what they did on fourth and five there. So 
yeah, I mean, I think this is a, a team that's still trying to figure some things out. And Brent Venables, as a head coach, is still figuring things out. The question is going to be at some point, if, especially if they don't finish the season well, how long do you let him figure things out? Because the game management part of this team is becoming a factor. And I, I still believe that Brent Venables is getting better in that way. But as games have gotten tighter, the, the situation has gotten tighter. He's not been as good. So the whole coaching staff and you know, Brent Venables included needs to quit taking 15 yard penalties. The whole coaching staff needs to continue to improve and they got to continue to get better because right now Oklahoma is not playing its best football. Sooner Cowboys is mentioning it over in on the YouTube chat. The team never left the Cotton Bowl. And I think that's there's something kind of valid about what the team played like against Texas and what they've played like the last three weeks. Were they just playing up to their opponent and raising their standard of play to go play against a team that was a top five team? Or is it that just the production, the performance have fallen off? I think it's a little bit of both because they've not been as clean. They've not uh, been a team that you know has protected the football well. They've they've been really penalized a ton, and this is just not a team playing really really clean football. And that's that's a coaching thing. That's a player execution thing as well. It's it's everybody. Uh, but I don't I don't mind that you know Brent Venables is is willing to one he's willing to take the blame for losses. I, I've watched his post game press conferences the last two weeks, and that dude looks like somebody just took his cat and is holding it for ransom when they lose a game. And he's willing to take, you know, fall on the sword for the team and talk about how they're going to be better. He also wants that, I think, from his coaching staff too, a willingness to to say, hey, we could have been better in a situation where, as Jeff Levy, we talked about it already, Jeff Levy's saying, no, the wide receiver should have run the route deeper uh, than he did. That's not that's not accountability. That's passing the buck. And I don't think that's what Brent Venables is all about. So all that to say, I still think it could have been better. It could have been better. It could have been better executed if they had gone to the, the big side of the field. So I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of rambling on at this point about all this because I've had two days to argue with people about how poor of a, a play call that was with Jeff Levy. Well, and I would say this. I don't necessarily subscribe to two wrongs makes a right. You know, I, I don't know that because your OC throws a player under the bus, you then turn around and throw your OC under the bus as as a leader. You That's know, fair. I, uh, you know, so, but, but that being said, I, I can see the, he's going to bat for his player too, because his OC didn't. So I, I do think maybe there's a little bit of that at play, but one thing, you know, regardless of opinions about it uh, from a should he or should he have not said that remark, I do think this is true to me. That's the first signal that absolutely Jeff Levy has been put on notice. Now, I don't think we're going to get that in so many words publicly, but I think you can kind of read in between the lines from that, from Brent Vittable saying we got a Rolodex that plays better than that to pretty clearly put the puzzle pieces in place that, okay, uh, job performance is, I mean, look, it's rocket science, right? I got you. Oklahoma 7-2, and two, they've lost back-to-back games that they led at the end of the third quarter. That doesn't happen a lot to Oklahoma where you don't find a way to go finish a game. So everybody is getting evaluated, right? But it feels like, yes, there's some serious job performance evaluation happening with the OC, which Frankly, I mean, that's where we're at. It should be happening. It should be happening. And this is a really interesting question from Jet here. As we start to dig into your questions, your comments here on the Locked On Sooners YouTube live show, did Joe C force Levy on BV? I, I don't think so. I feel like this was Brent Venables reaching out to a guy he had familiarity with, he had a connection with, and thought it would be a good fit to, to run the offense. And Again, as much as I want to crap on what's gone on with Jeff Levy in, in key situations, the offense has been pretty good. And I, I don't want to completely ignore, again, the two fumbled or two botched snaps, the, the Nick Anderson drop. Now, it would not have been a walk-in touchdown. Go back and watch that play. He was falling as he was trying to catch that ball. He would not have walked in for a touchdown. But it's a big play that Nick Anderson dropped. Uh, there's the Nick Anderson offensive pass interference where he's trying to run the pick play and he gets, he doesn't, he doesn't sell it well enough. And, uh, you know, Brendan Thompson drops the pass on that play when it's a key fourth down situation. So there are a lot of offensive mistakes that are not your offensive coordinator's fault. Like he calls the play, he dials something up that, that works pretty well. And, and then again, you come back to the Drake Stoops non-call and pass interference. Oklahoma kind of got what he wanted. I mean, now throwing a, a fade route to Drake Stoops, 
one-on-one with tight coverage is not necessarily the choice I'd make. At the same time, he did his job and he drew a pass interference. It just wasn't called. Well, so I felt like, you know, Levy played or called a decent game and he's right in certain, in, in some ways in saying better execution and they maybe win that game at the same time. He also has to execute better too. So as much as I want to throw everything on Jeff Levy, the players got to execute better as well. This is a total team effort. No doubt. I mean, it's it's more than just the offensive coordinator. The the fourth down call, though, we all agree, was not good enough. It was terrible. They executed it. I mean, Dylan Gabriel executed it. Drake Stoops executed it. He ran to where he had room to run. And yet, you can't make that play call there. The, uh, the pass interference that was not called on Drake Stoops, that's a touchdown if he doesn't get interfered with. Yeah. Uh, he's he's coming down with it in yeah. the end zone. So and contrary to what Jeff Swain wants to say, the defensive back was the reason Drake Stoops was going out of bounds because he was tackling the dude out of bounds before the ball ever got there. Oh, don't get me I, started on that again. I don't uh I don't publicly react or respond to uh fake expansion, um fake expansion reporters. I don't even know who the the dude is. I just saw that, uh, you know, he, he does okay preps reporting. I'm not sure if that's a thing, but, um, all right, let's, let's answer a few questions here. Uh, was playing well in the first half. Why the Houdini act? Where'd he go? I think some of this is just, you know, they wanted to get Toby Walker some run and Toby Walker played well. I, I have no real issue with the way that they handled the running back situation. Gavin Sawcheck was really, really good in the first half and he made some plays in the, in the second half, but they were also trying to get Toby Walker some touches as well because you, you needed him to, you know, Marcus major wasn't fully available. It didn't seem like, cause you didn't see him out there and Javante Barnes, it just hasn't clicked for some reason with Javante Barnes this year. Yeah. And I think it's a fair question. If you're talking about the offensive coordinator and this coaching staff, which again, it's Brent Venables giving up the control right to an offensive coordinator and that Jeff Levy's in charge makes the decision and DeMarco Murray, Jeff Levy probably saying, okay, DeMarco, you're in charge of the running backs. You put somebody out there that really hasn't done anything particularly effective for you. Again, I, I do assign a good bit of blame to Andrew Rame for snapping the football where it was not supposed to be snapped. But that being said, I mean, you got somebody in Javante Barnes out there that hasn't really been Javante Barnes that we saw a year ago this season. So he panics a little bit and all of a sudden it's a turnover, right? You got somebody that uh, basically in arguably the biggest game of the season or one of them to me comes off the bench cold, right? Really for basically the entirety of the season, the guy hasn't really played for you and yet you bring him in in that spot. So curious. I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of a lot of that outside of it wasn't a good decision. Yeah, and then the why was Smothers in the game on a critical down? I can't remember exactly what situation this was, but it, it did seem odd to me that Dalen Smothers was getting a lot of opportunities as well. I mean, again, he, he's a good player and someone we're excited about. It just, I don't know, the running back rotation, the running back ha- usage has been kind of odd this season. And I think some of it just comes back to Sacha and Barnes weren't healthy all offseason for the most part. And then you get into the season and Marcus major and Tommy Walker haven't really been healthy. So your top four running backs at the position have all dealt with injuries over this calendar year. And that probably makes it hard for a running back coach to figure out how to best to utilize these guys, because you don't know who you're going to have available to you in practice or week to week and game to game. Yeah, man, it's, it's odd all the way around the rotation that they've got at running back has been, has been really weird. Weren't most OU fans calling for Smothers, though, at Oki Traders uh, or Oki Trades asks for? Sorry. Yeah, I mean, I think some some were asking for Dalen Smothers, and I would like to see Dalen Smothers as well. But they didn't really – I didn't feel like they really gave him a lot of opportunities. They gave him a couple handoffs. Let me see if I can find the stats real quick. Uh, Dalen Smothers had – it's a good point. It's a good point because I do think Oklahoma fans have been in that camp of, hey, let's see Hicks smothers. But to me, John, and I'll be brief here, it just speaks to the overall inability of Oklahoma to really find the running back situation. Mm-hmm. So you're dialing and trying up every single thing that you can. And guess what? Uh, now the next thing you try is even worse than the previous thing you had. So that's just that's the story of Oklahoma's running backs this year. You know, it's, it's been weird. So they got Dalen Smothers in the game, but they only threw the ball to him one time and he picked up one yard. They never handed the ball to him. 
and and I I feel like running back is such a rhythm position. You got to give guys opportunities to get into a rhythm a little bit and get a feel for the way blocking is going to work up front and way you know the defense is is playing them. And so I, I'm not even gonna sit here and say Dalen Smothers had a bad game because he didn't really play much, and you can't really judge it based on the limited opportunities that he got. Do you think that that snapback to Javante Barnes, are you buying it that uh, it was intended to be? Because, look, uh, our, our man, the Hall of Fame college football with Jason and the coach, uh, some good comments tonight. Nope, that was the call. And and I, I would imagine, I, I'll be honest with you, I've wondered this too, if we should take them at full transparency here. I tend to believe it because Javante Barnes then tried to turn and hand the football right back off to Dylan Gabriel, so that kind of makes me take them at face value that it was a broken play, but uh, our, our friend here says, nope, that was the call to snap it to Javante Barnes. I don't believe that it was just a horrible snap. Do you Are you getting in on any conspiracy here? We've seen him run the, the running back direct snap, and that was my immediate reaction was, why do you keep running this play? Because it's terrible. It never works. But when Brent Venable said that was supposed to be a, a snap to the quarterback, I thought, Hey, why not? I mean, it makes sense. And I don't know if there was just like a miscommunication on the play call or if it was just a bad, bad snap or what happened on that one. But all in all, it was just terrible. And the snap really puts everybody in, in, in the jackpot. Everybody is going to struggle with what to do with the ball after that. I mean, Jovante Barnes probably should just ate it and not try to hand it off to Dylan Gabriel. But you see people do this. You see them direct snap it to the running back and then hand it off to the quarterback who then runs wide and then throws a pass. Which, again, I have... If that's the, if that was the play call, I'm irritated at that because Oklahoma had just had a big play to get him to midfield, and then he runs some trickeration, which is not working for the Sooners right now. And then if it's not, if it was supposed to be straight to Dylan Gabriel, then again, it's on Andrew Rame. And you got to snap better, bro. You just have to. It has to be better. There's no excuse for the poor snaps that we've that we've had right now. It's just not. So I, I I'm buying that it was probably supposed to go to to Dylan Gabriel, and it was probably going to be like a play action pass or something like that. I have to go back and look at the all twenty twenty all twenty two and see what the wide receivers were doing on that play because I think that would give us a bit of an indication. But all in all, it was just it was terrible. It's terrible. How are we feeling about this West Virginia game? Do you feel optimistic going into this? I mean, obviously Oklahoma's lost back-to-back games. Green was a, a troublemaker for Oklahoma a, a year ago, shall we say? I mean, 12.5-point favorite per FanDuel Sportsbook. What do you think? It's prime time. The unity uniforms, we we saw that, right, that uh, Oklahoma's rocking the unities for this contest. Do we – how, just generally speaking, your early week feel, how are you feeling about this game? Early week, I'm not feeling great about it just because of two losses and you know some really uh, inconsistent play on both sides of the football, you know, some undisciplined play where you're giving up a lot of penalties, you're giving up turnovers, you're not you know playing great, you're not tackling well. I don't love it probably by the end of the week, I'll feel better about it because I don't trust Garrett green to, to beat this team, but I didn't think Alan Bowman had it in him to, to go and have a career day either against the Sooners. So I, I don't love the point spread. If you're asking, asking me from a betting standpoint, I, I would have a really, really hard time right now taking Oklahoma minus 12 and a half, 13 points. That would be really, really tough, but I think Oklahoma's playing good enough football to win this game. It's just they got to put some things together and they got to play cleaner football. They cannot have as many mistakes as they've had the last two weeks and expect to beat a West Virginia team that's playing much better than they were a year ago when they beat Oklahoma uh, on the road, you know, when Oklahoma was on the road. Now this game is going to be in Norman, so that gives you an opportunity to, to be better, but you got to simply execute better. You got to play better. This is You cannot have as many mistakes. You cannot have eight penalties. You can't have three turnovers. You know, you can't have as many missed tackles as they've had because especially on defense. And we talked about it on our last show. I mean, defensively, they did enough in this game to win the football game. They absolutely did. As even though there were, you know, there were some situations where there were poor tackling, even though they gave up 27 points, 
some of that was due to the offense turning the ball over at midfield or at the 20 yard line and, and giving uh, Oklahoma state a short field to deal with. It's the offense, man. If the offense can just simply get back to executing the offense better and not have as many pre-snap penalties, then I'll feel great about this thing. But if they come into it and they play as undisciplined as they've played in recent weeks, then I mean, to me, it's off the like all bets are on like West Virginia could easily win this game. So we'll see. I, I don't feel great about it right now, but probably as the week goes along, I'll feel better about where Oklahoma stands. It's just West Virginia is playing good football and they can they could come in and sneak one sneak you ugh, sneak a win out if you're not careful sooner fans. Feels like uh, right now, maybe anybody left on the schedule could do that. And yet, you know, West Virginia's, to, I mean, that's the clear best team you've got left on the schedule. Uh, obviously, uh, West Virginia beat TCU earlier this year, and we know that TCU's uh, a four and five football team that's not trending in a positive direction. They got routed by Kansas State, lost again to Texas Tech. So that's not TCU that some thought. TCU would be this year. I think you and I were sort of in the expectation that TCU was a pretty good fallback candidate relative to, okay, go to the national championship game or being a big 12 championship contender. So this is the toughest game left. I think you've got right. I mean, West Virginia just uh, took it to BYU 37 to seven. So I think OU is going to win all of these games. And I think it starts this week against West Virginia. The fact that you're at home should be helpful. I think that that is going to be a welcome sight for OU to just get back to Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium where the the crowd's not a factor in this one in a negative way for Oklahoma because obviously uh, they've gotten off the poor road starts each of these last two. So coming home should help Oklahoma. And again, if they can just negate a couple of these boneheaded mistakes that they've had each of the past two games against Kansas and Oklahoma State, John, probably we're talking about an unbeaten football team right now but obviously the you can't live in the hypothetical world we have to live in and exist in reality and to some degree if you're making those types of mistakes in consecutive weeks well now all of a sudden you are that football team but if Oklahoma can get back to the Oklahoma that we saw that was right toward the top of the nation leading the nation in turnover margin then I think they're going to win this game by a couple of scores yeah I, I feel like West Virginia will come into this thing with a a little bit of a conservative approach, but I think they're also going to throw, you know, all the chips on the table and take chances at times too. You know, they're going to want to run the football. And if Oklahoma can stop the run and put Garrett green in some second and third and long situations, then I'll feel great about this. I mean, CJ Donaldson's a really good running back. Garrett green's a really good running quarterback. And I think that's going to be the focus of their offensive game plan is run the football, try to keep it in, you know, keep ahead of schedule Get yourself into you know second and short, third and short, fourth and short situations, and try to be efficient and pick up first downs. That's what they did in the second half last year. I mean, it was not this big offensive explosion against Oklahoma. It's just they they were able to stay ahead of the chains and pick up first downs. Now Oklahoma's been really really good on third down. They've been really good on fourth down. They've been good against against the run. Even though Ollie Gordon did have a good rushing day, all in all, they were pretty good against a really arguably the best running back in college football. They played a pretty solid game. So if they can go out there and continue to play with that same effort, if they get Danny Stutzman back that I think that's, that's key too in this one and get Danny Stutzman, you know, get your, get your defensive line playing a little bit better and maintain rush lanes against a Garrett green who he'll take off and run when the first opportunity is available. So if you can maintain containment, maintain discipline on your rush lanes and, and, use a guy like maybe a Kip Lewis to spy him. I think that would be a fantastic, or Jaron Canick to spy him. I think that'd be a fantastic game plan going in, into this one and get everybody back on track a little bit. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. It'll be, uh, it'll be important for the rest of the season for Oklahoma to find a way to get back on track and get into the win column in this thing. If you can do that this week, then all of a sudden, double figure win seems seems gettable for Oklahoma. And again, as I, I said earlier this week, the complexion of this year, living in the back-to-back -back losses, John, it feels like, okay, this season may be uh, because you beat Texas and you haven't backed it up since. You've played, let's call it what it is, 
three three below average football games uh, in relation to what you were or what we thought you were coming out of the Texas game. Where we're living right now, it feels like, okay, this this Oklahoma team has failed to meet our expectations to some degree, but all of a sudden you win these final three, you go win a bowl game, and uh, the, the sun rises tomorrow and things are looking up, especially if uh, you can do it in rather convincing fashion. So I hope we see that. I think to me this week it starts with stopping Garrett Green running the football. If, uh, if Oklahoma can do that and force him to be a passer, obviously they need to be better in coverage. It's not just been sticky coverage at all times back there, John. I'd like to see Oklahoma press man a little bit. I don't understand why Oklahoma doesn't do that. And, you know, this is like the age-old Oklahoma defensive complaint is why will Oklahoma not just, you know, bump and run receivers at times, get up on those guys. At times I think Oklahoma – I know there's been a pass interference call here or there, but to me, why give up that little eight-yard cushion to start? I'd like to see Oklahoma just get a little bit more aggressive with the way that they align to start. But to me, it begins with you got to be able to stop the quarterback running the football. If you can do that and force him to be a thrower, then probably as long as this isn't the game where you turn it over three times again, I think OU's going to win. And and the more I think about it, the more I just feel I feel better about Oklahoma winning. West Virginia has been good, but they rank 60th in uh, points per game allowed on defense, and on offense they rank 40th at 31.4 points per game. So you're scoring a lot more than they are. Your defense is just a little bit better than they are uh, allowing points. So to me, it all points to an Oklahoma win. You get it at home. You get things back on track. And you got an opportunity to finish the season strong. Anything else, any parting thoughts that we need to uh, discuss here, Josh, before we get out of here? Uh, I, I don't know that uh, anything specific comes to mind. I think we hit all of the items maybe that we wanted to talk about today. There's so much more. I, I'll be curious to see what some of the feedback is on the Jackson Arnold conversation. I think that that is we've sort of had our Jackson Arnold conversation maybe for this week, for the right here, right now. I know we're going to get those questions again and again, and I think it's going to take on a life of its own over the course of this week especially. Then if Dylan Gabriel goes out and Oklahoma plays really well, John, then I think you see maybe the fan base to a, to some degree come back around to the idea, okay, let's finish this season strong, try and get 10 wins. Obviously, if you lose, then it only ratchets up. So I'll be curious to just watch the – the the lifespan of all of that sort of conversation this week and then uh, let's hear from brent venables tomorrow let's let's hear everything that he has to say coming out of this game his final bedlam thoughts yeah i don't i don't see any scenario where they completely hand the reins over to, to jackson arnold i just don't think dylan gabriel is going to be bad enough for that to be the case but i would like to see him get a series per game just one series that's all i want to see out of jackson arnold just let him get his feet wet let him get some playing time and see what happens. But that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning in and being a part of the show. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We're free and available on every platform and on YouTube. Uh, hit that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. Follow Josh on Twitter at Josh on Ref, myself at John Nine Williams. The show is at Locked On Sooners. But until next time, he's Josh. I'm John Boomer Sooner.